So, we've been discussing from Srimad Bhagavatam the events leading to the advent of Sri Krishna. Sri Krishna Dhanastamika Jai. And um, we've heard how the Sukadeva began to describe the distressed condition of the earth and how she took the form of a cow and appealed to Brahma. Brahma meditated upon Vishnu and got some communication from him as to his um, and the knowledge of the situation and his intent to descend. And in order to facilitate that descent, he requested that various devas and devis appear in the other dynasty and so forth. Still, as we find, from your reading this morning, of Brahma's prayers and the Brahma Mohan Leela, that while he knew that Vishnu was going to make an appearance, what it would be like, usually his appearances are quite extraordinary and easy to detect, but appearing as Krishna and um, as Bhagavatam says at its onset, what is it? Even the gods are bewildered about, about him and his appearance. And um, and how to understand it properly. So, um, then we heard that, um, as well, that uh, the Angsav, Angsavatar of Vishnu would appear, and, um, and Yoga Maya also. Later we'll hear a little more detail about that, how Baladev's expansion, Ananta, appeared in the womb of Devaki to prepare it for Krishna's appearance, so to speak. And how uh, she was ordered to transfer that uh, Angsa into the womb of Rohini, which is who is the eternal mother of of Balaram, so the Amsa part goes back into the partial incarnation, back into the source, and Baladev makes his appearance in the Braj. and um, and we we'll also hear how Yogamaya appeared as the sister of of Krishna, who was transferred to Dwarka when. Devaki Nandan Krishna. So Devaki, who's a partial manifestation of the original Krishna, was brought back across the river in the night by Vasudev and exchanged for the for the girl, for the daughter. Um, and all of this, of course, uh, due to the atrocities of Kamsa, who's uh, coming up shortly here in the text. So some of the main players are being introduced, Devaki, Vasudev, um, Kamsa, Yogamaya, Balaram, and so forth. Um, still, the, the inhabitants of Vrindavan, they'll be also introduced later in the chapter, who are the um, main players, in a sense, that they are the persons with whom, the devotees with whom... <coughs> in relation to whom Krishna manifests himself most fully. So, before that, then, there's mention of the the place itself of Krishna's appearance, and we, we talked about it a little bit yesterday as well, Mathura Mandal, the circle, the great circle of um, Mathura. Let me read the verses here. Suraseno yadupatir Maturam abhasan purim Maturan Churasenam Scha Vishayan Bhujepura. Formerly Surasena, the chief of the Yadu dynasty, 
<clears throat> had gone to live in the city of Mathura. There he enjoyed the places known as Mathura and Surasena. Rajadhani, Tata, Sabhut, Sarvadadava Bhujam, Mathura Bhagavan Dhyatra Nityam Sanahito Hari. So this place now is further described. Sura is then, of course, the son of uh, Devamita, who had two sons, one born of a Chatriya wife a, a, um, in, the, in the royal order. Chatriyas are the royal order, the uh, administrators and military and so forth, uh, royalty, politicians. And, and uh, then another son, born from a Vaishya wife, and Vaishyas are the mercantile class, the agricultural class, the, and uh, the uh, those involved in animal husbandry. So, um, that son was named Parjanya, and uh, he was a great um, dairyman. He was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, wealthy and uh, in cows, and um, and his, how would we say, um, stepbrother, stepbrother, I guess you call them. they would be called cousins or brothers as well. Very culture uh, was named Sura. So, um, uh, and both of these gave birth to sons. Parjani gave birth to Nanda Maharaj, five sons. Nanda was the principal middle son who then became the father of Krishna in the Braj. And Sura, mentioned here, who came to reside in Mathura, hmm? um, he gave birth to Vasudev, who as we'll hear here, becomes wedded to Devaki, and um, uh, Krishna is the eighth, their eighth son. Who the oracle from the sky says the time of their wedding would be the cause of Kamsa's death. So Kamsa was the son of Ugrasena, who was ruling over Mathura, and. Uh, he was uh, not a good son, as we'll hear. But the place, hmm. then, Rajadhani, hmm. that is the capital, this uh, mature capital of the, the, the royal order that uh, was most predominant in India. Mathura is a famous place. Now, it's about what, 90 miles south of Delhi, which is the Delhi and New Delhi, the two sister cities, which is the capital of India. So previously this Mathura was actually the capital of, of not of India, because India didn't exist as a single country, but as many different kingdoms. But the kings of Mathura, they were the most influential uh, and held kind of an emperor status, like we hear later in the book of Yudhisthira becoming the performing the Rajasuya, which was a, a sacrifice that established himself as the ruler amongst rulers, kind of an emperor amongst kings, sending out a challenge horse to different places and so forth, and no challenge came back as to his um, um, status and so forth. And, of course, uh, they weren't afraid of him due to uh, military prowess, not that he was weak in that regard, a Yudhisthira, but they were uh, endeared by his, um, his uh, adherence to Dharma and so forth. So, and, of course, he had endeared himself along with the Pandavas, Arjuna is one of his brothers, uh, and the famous Arjuna from Bhagavad Gita. Um, a family closely related to Krishna by Bhakti. Hmm. 
by blood and by bhakti. Their blood was bhakti, actually. So, um, so anyway, this Mathura was a very center of uh, culture, learning, and um, the seat of the most prominent royal families of, uh, of, of Bharat. It was the, it's the old name of India, the subcontinent, as it's sometimes referred to today, of many different kingdoms was known as overall as Bharat and uh, Bharat Punyabhumi we call it also the land of uh, piety the mother of religion in the world today um, so Rajdhani Tathasa so something about Mathura here is being mentioned the most significant thing about it not among other things, but the most significant thing as well, not that it was famous, as, as I'm mentioning, that's mentioned here, but um, and the Tsarvayadava Bubujam, that um, it was the uh, the place of the Yadu dynasty. This was a huge royal dynasty, as I mentioned, a prominent one in India. Um, but um, more so, Bhagavan, Matura Bhagavan Yatra Nityam Sanhito Hari. So it's the Nityam Sanhito. It's that place in which um, Bhagavan Hari resides uh, eternally. The word Sanhito, it, it means uh, that uh, closely, it implies uh, that he stays close there. He doesn't go anywhere else. It implies intimacy as well. Hmm? That he's available there, on in, uh, makes himself available on intimate uh, terms. He's a member there. Of the, they, they look at him as such. Um, that he's one of them. This is a very high idea, the idea of prame. Prame is a word for love, but it, it speaks of divine love and and more. It's a Gaudiya word, really. It's it's a Sanskrit word, but the Gaudiya people, it means our lineage, coming from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, have really latched on to that word in ways that uh, others have not. In other words, um, as we've been hearing, the goal, the prayogen, the ideal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is prem, prem prayojan. This is the fruit of, of all of our spiritual uh, culture and so forth. And um, this idea, this statement, distinguishes prem from mukti, even though mukti is within prem. It distinguishes prem from mukti in terms of prem being a post-liberated uh, reality hmm? um, and while other lineages Vaishnava lineages and even non-Vaishnava lineages speak about mukti and they have different ideas about what that mukti constitutes most of the prominent lineages of Vedanta of course speak about mukti in terms of bhakti but their stated goal is is mukti, uh, in which um, mukti liberated from. Well, their goal is to be liberated from the world in the context of serving Bhagwan, hmm? and so they may enter into the pursuit. Of their of devotion with the ideal of getting mukti, getting uh, emancipation, liberation from the world. They want bhakti, but uh, in prem, the idea is that the interest in mukti is uh, is is diminished, is 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 retired. So this brings us a little closer to the idea of matura that it's in the here and the now. Hmm. Uh, in the Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the, the Mukti has an idea of going somewhere. It carries with it 
going away from something, leaving something. Salvation, liberation. It it speaks um, largely, if we were to define it just in itself, uh, about getting away from something. Liberation means you get free from something. Hmm. Um, Salvation, you've been saved. And of course, we're getting away from the bondage of karma, hmm? the repetition of birth and death that this bondage uh, ultimately constitutes and so forth. Um, so the, the Godias really, they don't like this idea of getting away from anything. They want to get close to the center of everything. And their idea is that by proximity and intimacy with the center, then it takes the... Um, the teeth, if you will, the fangs out of the serpent of material existence. Um, and one can interact with the world without any, uh, any uh, negative implications. Hmm? Uh, so kind of proper, proper adjustment. This is, and this is the very idea of Matura Mandal and Vrindavan. All things properly adjusted. An extreme example, of course, is Krishna's dalliance with with the gopis, which appears on the surface to be very, uh, something that needs to be adjusted. (laughs) But it's adjusted by way of taking the selfishness out, the lust out. This is is an extreme example of giving, actually, on the part of the the soul and self-sacrifice and their extreme then reciprocation that comes from that on the part of Bhagavan. So this is Prem. And Prem carries with it the idea of a possessiveness, that it's one thing to say, I belong to God. It's another thing to say, God belongs to me. Mm -hmm. He's ours. Something like this is very aggressive. (laughs) Kind of... uh, idea about love uh, and the preem is characterized by that a sense of minus which when focused on things that aren't really yours becomes a problem the whole problem of material existence when focused on the one who owns everything to whom everything belongs then what remains to be had for you hmm? Uh, there's no need to worry about acquiring and there's no need to worry about getting free from the troubles that come from acquiring either. Hmm? So, uh, and attachment to him, to, to, to the perfect object of, of love turning into a sense of possessiveness is an extreme kind of form, if you will, of that attachment and uh, absorption that that. It is the kind of the cause, if you will, as we say, prem is 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 the is the is non different from from Krishna. So that these two go together; they're interrelated with one another. The intensity of the prem causes, if you will, Krishna to be subject to that prem. Like you quoted a verse, "Yajatamam prapadinte four eleven from Bhagavad Gita." As they surrender to me, I reward them accordingly. So the reward of the Brajbasis is that Krishna becomes a plaything. The absolute becomes a plaything in their hand. This is a fascinating idea. That's what Krishna means. He's become like a son and running from the chastisement of his mother, the Damodar Leela. He's become like the friend of Sudam, Stoka Krishna, Vasant, and so forth. And he's wrestling with them and sometimes losing in sport and and um, he's uh, concerned whether Radha loves him or not uh, in, 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 in romantic love and so forth. Uh, it's romantic spiritual love, romantic friendly love, romantic parently love, uh, parental love, if you will. So um, this, this is preem. It's a very, it's a, a very, it's characterized by possessiveness in relation to the absolute. Um, which then, you know, if you're attached to something, that gives you a shape, right? That defines you. So 
attached to this object. You've got a shape that uh, corresponds with your your attachments, and but the nature of this attachment, this possessiveness, is that is that uh, we are owned, if you will, by um, Krishna. Krishna owns everything, but by love, he can be owned. They say, you, they say he owned that guy. You know, he really got him, something like that. You know, so um, he's susceptible to this. This is not a fault. This is the best quality we think of the Godhead. It's the nature of love and affection. So if the Godhead is is all loving, then this has to be uh, an an aspect. In fact, the most uh, extraordinary and uh, noteworthy aspect of the Godhead that because he is love, then he is has to respond in this way to love. Hmm. So that's our good fortune. That's what makes possible. His nature makes bhakti possible. Right? So, <clears throat> so these mature people, they think like this, he's, he's one of us. Hmm? He's ours. Um, and the and, and we, in other lineages, Vedanta, we don't find this. We find this great respect for Bhagwan. Hmm? For example, in the Ramanuja lineage or the Madhva lineage, and so forth. And they want liberation to go to Vaikuntha, to, so they can worship Narayan. And there are other lineages that lead in the, go in the direction of Vrindavan as well. But like the the uh, Balamba lineage or the uh, Nimbarka lineage, these are all lineages of, of bhakti, but they don't uh, attach themselves to this word prema like the Gaudias do. This is really a Gaudiya kind of term in, in a sense. Yes, there is a prema in Vaikuntha, but it's so different from the full face of love manifested in Vrindavan that the Gaudias tend not to not to use that word very much in relation to that reverential love. Hmm? And all oh, the Nimbarkis, they want uh, Radha and Krishna to be married, and so they, they, don't, they don't find this to be... Rather than Parakiya, for example, of the, of the gopis, that is so prominent in, uh, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Sarvarasasar, hmm? Krishna Das sings... So, uh, here the word sanhito, nityam sanhito hari, Bhagavan. He's Bhagavan, and Bhagavan means God. He eternally resides in Mathura. Hmm. Uh, and his other name is Hari. Hari means who takes everything away. He means... Uh, the, yeah, who takes away harati to take away? So, God, for example, in the form of time, takes everything away from us. We can't hold on onto anything. Everything is, uh, you know, uh, rented or whatever, leased to us for for a time, and that uh, that, that time will come to an end. Hmm? Um, so he he who takes everything away, he lives eternally in Mathura, Bhagawan. Hmm. Um, so the implication is well if you go there you'll find all things <laughs> he takes everything away this is where he lives that must be where everything is ultimately this is the center this is where everything is now that's certainly true but um, here it means more that this one who is Bhagawan is also known as Hari. And he lives eternally in Mathura in intimacy. He's intimately connected with that place. He's known as Hari by everyone there. This is a general name of God, Hari, in the way I first described it, who takes everything away, God who takes everything away, and the owner of everything and so forth. But in Vrindavan, in Mathura, in the circle of Mathura, that Vrindavan and the other bonds, the other 12, it's made up of 12 different forests. Hmm? And Mathura is the city. 
it's like Vrindavan and Mahavan, Vrindavan, Bhadravan, Krishnavan, and so forth. This all, uh, the twelve forests are sometimes called, there's two, Bhadravan and Krishnavan. Forests that are prominent for Krishna's particular pastimes and those that are prominent for Balaram's pastimes on different sides of the Jamuna. Hmm? That kind of encircles the Matura Mandal. Um, and Matura is the city aspect, but, but the Mandal is a larger you know, metropolitan area, if you will. Um, like the Bay Area. You don't say San Francisco, you say the Bay Area, because it's bigger than San Francisco. Something like that. So, Matura Mundal. And Matura is the, the actual city itself. It's like, you know, if you go to San Francisco, across, across the bridge there, we're out here, and this is the ex- far reach of the Bay um, Area. I like that when you go across the bridge and there you're going into like, it's like going into Matura or something like that. There's the big city. Then off on the little island over there's Alcatraz. That's the material world. <laughs> they don't live there anymore, but they're just breaking rocks in there. And, you know, what's going on all around them is so extraordinary. So the material world is, seems big to us. It's just breaking rocks, that's all. <laughs> you know, in jail they used to, they used to do a thing like that, just break rocks. Now they give them hopefully more constructive work to do than that, but um, there's a lot more going on outside. And so the greater paraviom, the greater expanse, if you will, uh, of the spiritual sky is uh, uh, no room for, for boredom there. Um, uh, so here's a very very narrow and shallow thing. It's more or less puna punas charvita charbananam. Prahlad said it like this, chewing the chewed, chewing that which has already been chewed. He has characterized material life like that. Just like you buy your new house, but somebody's already chewed it and spit it out. Hmm? Either they already lived in it, they're done with it. It has no more juice for them. They've spit it out. Like as we were kids, this is a long time ago, we would chew gum and when we get tired of it, put it underneath the desk, you know. <laughs> and then uh, maybe you'd take it back after a while or <laughs> or another kid would, you know, dry that. <laughs> so, so this is material life. <laughs> Chewing the chewed. Hmm? It's already been chewed by somebody. Even if it's a new house, somebody built it and he just can't wait to get rid of it, right? Some contractor has built the house, some realtor, some developer, and they're, they just want to want to get rid of it. And you will too, in due course. So, so this is the material world. We're just picking up on other people's remnants. That's all. I'm trying to get some juice out of somebody, something somebody has already rejected. Hmm? So Prahlad said, "Puna punas charvita charvanam," just chewing the chewed over and over again. Hmm? And Krishna, of course, then is 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 Navayovanam. Hmm? He's at new, ever new youth, and uh, uh, anurag, rag anurag bhav mahabhav. In anurag, this is a development of the stai, of the dominant emotion for Krishna, like a friend or like a lover, can reach up to anurag and bhav. Anurag is characterized by the uh, by the reality that. Every time the uh, Krishna's friend sees him, it's like he's never seen him before. I mean, he's seen him before, but it's like new, fresh. It's like there's always something fresh about about him. It's, it, it, it's uh, no question of uh, of, of boredom. He's, everything's there, but you cannot take it all in, even with spiritual eyes, uh, at, at once. And of course, the experiences with every sense, the supreme, with the eyes, with the ears, with the nose, hmm? the tactile sense, the tasting sense. Hmm? It's just, 
every every interaction like this with Krishna is, is sweet and fresh and new at every moment. He's new to himself at every moment. He they they talk about the, these kind of pseudo advaitins being in the becoming. So there's the becoming. And then there's the being, and it's like a sta- static. The being is static, but becoming denotes denotes some movement, right? Becoming is considered to be the immature stage, and then being, rest. It's a static kind of rest. It's thought to be dynamic because it's it's different than the movement in the material world which is in relation to temporary things and there's no there's no stability in that it's like you know musical chairs somebody's out every time you know and so you're always coming up short there's no firm ground to stand on so in order to to move away from that and find the ground of your being and be hmm, be what you are instead of trying to be something else so so to become your own being, something like that is the idea. But it's only dynamic in relation to something that is, you know, not dynamic. And there's movement, but it's static movement because it's the same thing over and over again, material life. Puna punas charvita charvananam. Here we have in Vaishnavism, we have being that's becoming. I mean, that's like what? The being is becoming at every moment. Hmm? It's like the sun. In the sun, there are huge nuclear explosions going on all the time. Like huge nuclear... You can imagine what a nuclear bomb, you know, the, 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 we're, we're intimidated by the threat of such. The world needs to take the form of a cow, you know, and make a petition here. This world is overburdened by, by such potential. Hmm? So... That's what we're doing. We're actually taking shelter of the Bhagavatam. This is a recommended idea for Kali Yuga to remedy the situation after Krishna's departure. So he left behind the Bhagavatam. This is how you take shelter of him. And the world becomes protected, so to speak, or those who take shelter of it do. At any rate, we, we, we know what the horror would be. You've seen the day after or whatever, you know, these kind of movies that... Uh, you know, there they are in the baseball park, and all of a sudden, these missiles fly over. What was that? And, you know, and that's it, right? The whole world changes forever hmm? by a couple of nuclear bombs. Well, these, like all the nuclear bombs on Earth together, you know, magnified many times over, are exploding in the sun all the time. It's like wow. So, so this uh, is exciting. What what kind of changes and transformations are going on there? So this is the nature of the becoming of the being. Being, uh, becoming, becoming itself at every moment. This is Rasananda. And these explosions are Anubhav, Sattvikabhav, rising from the Stayibhav, Tancharibhav. Uh, all this that makes Rasananda. And this is all plays out in the form of Leela. And the clouds are there. And it rains, but those clouds are alive, and they're crying. Hmm? They're coming. They're in Sakiras, the clouds in Vrindavan. They come and they give shade to Krishna from the sun for his pastimes, and they they dress like him because they're they're bluish in color, and they have lightning. Hmm, that comes through them like Krishna's bluish in color and wrapped in light in lightning colored cloth. So they take a likeness to him. They feel that they're like similar on similar terms. They're all in Sakyarasa. And sometimes they cry. Hmm? Hmm. In ecstasy, not out of sadness, but in ecstasy. Just enough sprinkle to make the uh, the summer like uh, uh, like like spring, so it gets hot, you know, in Vrindavan. So um, all the movements are different types of uh, ecstasies. Hmm? 
All the things you read about, the gopis did this, the cowards did this, these are all different anubhavs, sattvika bhavs, um, vibhav, and so forth. All the, there's, these com- combine together to make a rasananda, and this is the nuclear explosion that the whole, that this uh, being, it's, it's being becoming at every minute. These are, like I said, these avatars are eternal emotional moments in the ultimate, the center of all being, exploring itself and fascinated by it. Hmm? And in its fascination of itself, it overflows into, into to touch even the tiniest little parts, particles of, if you will, of consciousness that, that we are constituted in. And um, in its, it's in its madness, really, of 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 its its becoming eternally, its fullness growing, as I said, it's full but growing. That 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 uh, uh, the idea that Krishna is overflowing and then becoming accessible, losing it. In other words, the Godhead is losing it. What am I? Oh my God! Hmm? This is like the Achilles' heel of the Absolute. So then you you get in there. This is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was about. He's given us access to to the intimate Sanhito, Nityam Sanhito Hari, to the intimate circle of, of Matura Mandal, where God is called Hari. But not in the general sense that we think about him, and as I explained earlier, who takes everything away, which is important to think like that, so that we stop trying to own, which doesn't belong to us. This is the beginning only of our um, loving, as I said. Detachment is the first step in loving. It's a very, it's a baby step, and we're so unwilling to take it. We just, it's like just touching your toe in the water. How's it feel? It's a little cold. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go in. <laughs> Something like that. Huh? Yeah. And these inhabitants of Vrindavan, they're like way, way underneath. They've gone. They're not coming up again. They're at the bottom of the ocean, and they're finding there's no bottom. So they keep going deeper and deeper in loving, reciprocal dealings with the center, with the absolute, with Krishna. Hmm? So, and, and, and so this, and anyway, we're invited into this. Sounds good, but we, but then it's, I'm ready to go, but then it's, it's <laughs> the first step <laughs> is, uh, it's a little, we think we're ready to go, but this is involved, right? This is the baby step only. That it doesn't belong to you. We have to think of Hari in this way. And in the other end of the spectrum, in in Matura, who's living there, where he is intimately making himself available, they call him Hari also. Hmm? Why? Because they've already given up everything. That's a small thing for them. To give up material possessions and material attachments—that's that, that's nothing. Hmm? They see that that's meaningless. So they're not thinking of Hari who takes away things that they want. Hmm? That, that they have to reason about and see why they shouldn't want and so forth. This is not what they're doing there. They call him Hari because he stole their heart. Hmm? Giving up things is one thing. It's the beginning of giving up, of giving up your heart. It's because you've been reposed it somewhere else. Hmm? They've reposed their heart entirely in Him. Hmm? They realized. We have to realize. Krishna Himself has lost His own heart. The devotees have stolen it. We should give Him ours. Hmm? And so there they call Him Hari also. But Hari is a very in this context, excuse me, a very intimate name. So it has a very general connotation. Hmm? God in general, time, taking everything away. And Hari, he, he stole our heart and he's a thief. 
Hmm? Krishna. He's living in the home of Mother Yasoda and Nanda Marsh, but he goes out and steals butter and yogurt from the other houses of the other ladies. And it doesn't matter if they hang it high from the rafters. He stands on Balaram's shoulders. And, uh, and if it's in a dark area where it can't be seen, he's, he's defulgent, so it lights up. And, he, and he, so he's very crooked, this Krishna. This was a slight problem, for hesitancy on the part of Arjuna. At the end of the Gita, we mentioned the other day where Krishna said, He basically saying, You do what you want. You decide. It's your free will. That verse you asked about is about free will, but it also says, Everyone follows my path in all respects. Therefore, you may have been thinking of it being speaking about determinism. But what that means is that there is no other path to follow. There's only Krishna. Like Prabhupada used to say, consciousness means Krishna consciousness, like shine means sun. All lights coming from the sun, either indirectly or directly. Hmm? So all consciousness is consciousness of Krishna in one respect or another. Hmm? So you can follow materialism and you're still only following Krishna. Hmm? That's a way in which you decided to approach him and that's the side he shows you. If you want to be a taker, then he shows you a certain side. Hmm? If you want to be a lover, he shows you another side. But everyone follows him. That's unavoidable. <laughs> so the question is how to follow him. There you have a choice. Hmm? So the Brajabhasis have chosen a particular way. They're showing that particular way. Hmm? And Arjuna is reaching out to, to, to or Krishna is reaching out to Arjuna at the end of the Gita. He says, you have the free will. You can do what you want. stops for a moment, then he, he really can't control himself. He said, but what I want, and I, I really want, I want you. I love you, Arjun. Hmm? This is what he's saying. I really, you know, he made it difficult for Arjun to say, say no. So Arjun's ready to go for it, but then and Krishna's giving him a promise there. Hmm? Pratijani Priyosimi, I promise you, hmm? yeah. become my devotee. Uh, become my devotee, think of me, offer your regard to me, hmm? and uh, I promise you that I'll, I'll be there for you. Just call my name, and I'll be there, hmm? <laughs> he said. So, uh, sounds good, but... Krishna's from Mathura, and the people of Mathura, they're known to be a little crooked. Hmm? It's a Vaishya kind of, especially the, the outskirts, it's a Vaishya community. For you, I make no profit. <laughs> Baba? <laughs> yes, yes, come, come. <laughs> That's, I'm giving away practically nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and and, and 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 why not? Their leader, so to speak, the one they're all centered on, he's, he's a little crooked. We find Krishna's is Krishna told Dharmaraj, that's another name for you to steer, who's the pinnacle of truthfulness on the battlefield of Kurukshetra when the war was going on, the battle was going on. He told him a lie. He said, Look, if you want to win here, here's what you do. Say this. What did he say? Ashvatthama has been killed. Hmm? And Rudhisthira looks at him and says, but Ashvatthama hasn't been killed. Krishna looks at him like, what are you? <laughs> are you pious? Is that what it's all about? <laughs> hmm? no, my land is not about piety. You don't go there by that. Hmm? You don't go there by impiety either. Hmm? It's a different thing altogether. Hmm? I'm not interested in piety, Arjun, or just here. I'm interested in who, who people want to do it my way. That's love. <laughs> it's a, so, uh, so Yudhisthira is like, you know, he's got it. He never told a lie. So he says, okay, Ashvatthama, the elephant, has been killed because there was an elephant named Ashvatthama that had been killed. <laughs> So he, he did it and he didn't do it. Krishna just, ah, 
wasn't satisfied with that. It said because of that, Dharmaraj had to, on his way to the heavens and beyond, he had to, he had to see hell along the way. He had to see it along the way. It said devotees will never see hell. So don't succumb to piety. Hmm. This is the point. <laughs> or impiety. <laughs> it's a fact, though. We find it. There's something called sukritartha. Hmm? One becomes, it's a, it's a type of anartha that gets in the way of the path, of, of devotees on the path. Devotee comes, he has nothing, hmm? and uh, homeless, and uh, uh, comes to the ashram as a, a place to live, and, and uh, joins on and, you know, embraces the philosophy, but was somewhat motivated by the fact that well, didn't have anywhere to go anyway. So sometimes it happens, right? And then he or she get, gets a letter in the mail. Dad finds out, you know, mother finds out where he actually lives after all these years. And here's a letter. Uh, actually, it's from a lawyer. You know, your parents have died and you've inherited, you know, $10 million. This is your piety from the past, your good karma coming your way. Hmm? It hasn't been entirely retired. So all of a sudden, he's got a check for $10 million. This is, he should better like give that to the deities real fast. Otherwise, it could consume them, right? Hmm? Suddenly, well, you know. I mean, I could get my own place. And I could, you know, practice there to be a little easier than living in the yurt with this other guy. You know? <laughs> Which is a trip, you know. So it could be a little easier. I just spend a little bit, you know, whatever. So and I've seen this happen also. This exact thing. I got a bunch of money, and that he was, you know, rationalized. One foot out the door, two foot, and there he was. He was gone. So um, watch out for your own piety. Something like that. Hmm? Uh, we're not advocating impiety here, but we're advocating bhakti. Hmm? And. Um, Bhakti's a little crooked. I mean, uh, Rupa Goswami said, Ahiriva kuti premna swabhava kuti love Love moves like a snake in a crooked way. Hmm? She loves me, she loves me not. Hmm? The Leela of Radha and Krishna is full of this, back and forth, and, and union and sambhog, and uh, so forth. Uh, so, um, Krishna is a little, a little tricky. And, it said, Chanakapandit said, when dealing with politicians, one has to be a politician. So when dealing with thieves, that's the material world, even piety, you have to understand, is thievery. Hmm? It's all taking. If I agree, I'll give a little here. So that My motive is because is I'll get. I'm on the take, really. How much am I really giving? Well, just a tiny little bit. I perform some sacrifice, get a little ghee, and put, do the thing. And then I get. That's the big thing. The get. What I get. I get a big prize for that. I get to go to heaven or whatever. It's about acquiring. The karma marg is about dharma. Is about acquiring. All right. With a in a, in a religious, you know, environment in such a way that there aren't huge negatives uh, just overtly taking but it's it's still one still on the take so everyone in the material world is a thief false proprietorship is the basis of material existence so if you're going to deal with thieves you've got to be a thief you got to speak their language something like that so krishna is a little tricky hmm? how he deals with uh us in, in, in the world, especially in terms of taking us from our thievery to a life of devotion. Anyway, Arjuna hesitated for a moment, thinking, can I trust him? He's got a bad reputation, this Krishna. Hmm? But of course, the truth about Krishna, Sanhito Hari, Nityam Sanhito Hari in Mathura is that... Hmm, he may cheat everybody, Krishna, but not the ones that he loves. He gives himself entirely to them. Hmm? No cheating there. 
He only cheats them out of out of that which will keep them separate from him. That's all. Hmm. Guru is a cheater too. That's for sure. He tells us one thing and what we need to hear now. It's not true, but we need to hear it. So he may tell us that. Later he tells us something different. And Dealing with thieves, you've got to be a thief. You've got to be a, with cheaters. You've got to be a cheater. Something like that. But as Prabhupada once said, great souls cheat others for a great cause. Hmm. So... Cheating us out of only what and our misconceptions, so forth. Everything can't be told all at once. We may have to give it in in piecemeal. So the land of Vrindavan, Mathura Mandal, this circle, this is this is the place where Hari is really present. Therefore, Bhagawan there is called Hari. Um, in terms, that's the favorite name there. Because, in a sense, he's stolen my heart. He's taken the heart of everybody. Entirely. By his charm. And living intimately with them as one of them. So this is the real glory of Mathura. Otherwise, it has many, many other glories that have been described in so many places. Amongst all the seven holy cities, sacred cities, what is it, Avanti, Kanchipuram, Varanasi, Ayodhya, Dwaraka, Jagannath Puri, Mathura is the best. If you commit any offense in any of those, any place, if you commit any sin in any place, and you go to those places, it will be removed, it said. If you commit a sin in one of those places, though, that will make your, make, make a, like a, like a crust over your heart or something. That sin will be very difficult then to remove. But if you go to Mathura, it will be removed very easily. Hmm? So it's supreme in this regard. Um, The only thing there, we don't don't want to make a sin of the soul. We don't want to sin against Mathura itself, against Bhakti, against Vaishnavas. This is another thing. With regard to piety or impiety, uh, this, it, anyway, it has the capacity to purify us of piety and impiety entirely. So many, many things. Mathura Mahatmya is there. Uh, glories of Mathura. You can read it at, at some point. So many other, This is the main thing here, what it is. It's the home of Hari. And it's it's a geographical area, as we said, but it's it's... Uh, that's for the sake of the Leela. It's a geographical area. It has this many miles in its circumference, and here's the Jamuna, and here's the Govardhan, and so forth. And so um, all these things have uh, distances from one another for the sake of Leela. But the place is, is, as I said yesterday, everything is found there. It's... See, we measure by feeling. This is how things are actually measured. Not by miles, but by feeling. That's why the smallest room in your house might be the biggest one, if it feels the best to you. Right? <laughs> so feeling makes the place, is, is the real measurement of things. How, how, how affectionate a place is, how good it feels. It could be a small place, as I say, by inches or feet, but if it's full of affection and accommodating, then it's bigger than a bigger place. So the real measurement for um, in human society is, is by feeling. And the soul is immeasurable, for that matter. Even one soul is immeasurable. We say it's, the scriptures say, the soul is one ten thousandth the size of the tip of a hair. What does it mean? It means they thought they spoke about it in such a way that it would be clear that it's immeasurable, immeasurably small. Hmm? Because there were no instruments to measure one ten thousandth the size of the tip of a hair. Now we may have those instruments, so we can say, you know, you just have to change the... The point remains the same. See, Scripture may 
draw analogies from times hmm, and so forth that then no longer um, speak um, by way of analogy hmm, uh, sufficiently, but the truth that they're speaking about doesn't change. So you use another analogy. It's smaller than, uh, you know, an atom split by, you know, you have this huge machine as big as a city or something like that to split a tiny atom. Isn't it something like that? Hmm? That's what they're trying to do. Split the atom? Are they, are they successful? Yes. So if you could split the neutron or something, proton or whatever, anyway... A million fold, this is the size of the soul, something like that. It means you can't measure it. So Maya means to measure. That's what it means, and that's what we do. We're in Maya. We're always measuring. Hmm? Measuring, calculating, hmm? making calculations, and so forth. This is a, the heart doesn't calculate, the head calculates. We should calculate. How hard is my heart? Hmm? And how to soften it. That's how we use our head properly. Hmm? Therefore, we chant a certain number of rounds. This is the calculation we do. I'll calculate, I'll chant this, I'll make a, a vow to chant this many rounds. Hmm? That's the starting point. Right? That's using your head to soften your heart. Hmm? Otherwise, this is, this is material world. We're measuring everything. We're trying to bring everything within the fists of our intellectual grasp. Measure means to understand it. I've measured it. I know its size. I'm above it. Hmm? So it's under my control. Hmm? This is material life. So the soul is not part of material life. The atma is categorically different. So how can you me- measure it? Hmm? The scripture must say it's immeasurable. I guess immeasurably small. Hmm? And Krishna is immeasurably big. Immeasurably big. Hmm. And so, so at the same time, Vrindavan, Mathuramangala describes so many miles around. There are different descriptions of it. Hmm. And Govardhan is this many you know, feet or whatever the measurement of the time is from that place and within Vrindavan and then Jamuna and so forth. This is all for Leela. Hmm. There is a measurement within the immeasurable, which is kind of meaningless in a sense. It's like fun. It's like Krishna's being a thief. Krishna's a thief, but what's the meaning of a thief? Who owns everything? Right? He's hoodie. He takes everything. Well, he owns everything. Now, if he wants to play at stealing, then what is that stealing? It's not really stealing. This is play. This is leela. So there's measurement within Leela. Hmm? But actually the Matura Mandal is immeasurable. Hmm? It's the, it, why is it immeasurable? Because it's the biggest space. Because there's the most feeling there. It's most accommodating. It's Sanihito, Hari. You can get really close to Hari there. Hmm? To the center. Hmm? on intimate terms. So, all other than realms, if you will, are realms of feeling. Hmm? The material world is, is a realm of like, you know, heartless, as I described it. There's no feeling. Hmm? The more you get into it, the more heartless it is. As I said the other day, nature never forgives. Never. Humans, they sometimes forgive. And God always forgives. So we are supposed to move from not forgiving to the forgiving side. Hmm. Forgiving, that makes that means a lot of room there. <laughs> There's a lot of room. Give him some room. Okay. Hmm. Mahaprabhu is so generous, giving so much room. What if you just have this ideal in mind, let me enter the Matura Mangal. Hmm. Then he measures you as Big, big, and he wants to get close to you. Hmm? You're a big thing in my life, then. You want that. Hmm? Uh, so, Mathura is, this, is, is, this, is the seat of everything. This means 
Vaikuntha is there, the feelings of Vaikuntha, the Brahman is there, the material world is there. No, there's a shadow of feeling here in the material world, some calculated feeling. Hmm? We can move away from it through philanthropy and uh, altruism and so forth, and to some extent, just serving our our kids, serving our parents, making some sacrifices and so forth. Maturamandala is the center of all, where, where that, that giving is complete and the center is perfect. So this is what we want, the scriptures want to say when they say, it's all, Matura is the big place, and it looks small for the sake of Leela. And then making it look small hmm, is what makes it big, because it makes for the possibility of intimacy with the one big one. Like I said, I mean, we I saw that video, we should put it on the harmonist, that, um, you know, there's, here's the earth, you know, here's this, here's the, Mercury, here's the Jupiter, here's the Saturn, here's the Sun, here's the some other star I never heard of, another one, and they get to the biggest star, and then they show you the Earth next to that. This is a dot on the screen. Hmm? And as we say, and that big star is just the one, and you know, they'll say it to in a whole galaxy, in a whole universe, in many galaxies in the universe, and we have innumerable universes, Emanating from the poor holes of Vishnu, who's who, innumerable Vishnus emanating from Krishna, hmm? as Brahma saw, hmm? and you're going to live like he's um he's mine. Hmm? That tiny soul has conquers him by love, by bhakti. Hmm? That is Matura. That's going somewhere. Hmm? That's going going within, you know. So so. So, uh, so it's immeasurable. Hmm? It's said to be an, a dom apparat, an offense to the dom, to think of it only in terms of a geographical location. No, it's a plane of consciousness. That's how understanding that how all things resolve. Because you can go to Mathura in India, and you can think, well, it doesn't sound exactly like the book here. <laughs> it looks a little different, you know. Not sure about. So, there's said to be a covering that, of Maya that covers the dom. The people are there on the protomaya, on the covering, hmm? never touching down. It's a plane of consciousness. That Mathura is that place where they really understand Hari. Their heart has been stolen. Hmm? Someone's heart is completely taken by Krishna. Hmm? And that can be anywhere, isn't it? That's the idea. Hmm? So, this anyway, this holy place of Krishna's advent has been introduced here. Mathura Mandal. This is where he appears. What is the consciousness of the place? The name, just the word Hari, how it's used, as I'm explaining. Sanhito Hari, Nityam Sanhito. He can't leave there. He can't, that's why he's always there. He can't live there. Because the pain, the love is so, the self-sacrifice is so extreme. So this, anyway, this is where the Janmastami takes place. This is where Krishna... So we should, you know, this we do this Janmastami once a year. The idea is every day Krishna should be taking birth in our heart, so to speak, and performing his leelas there. Make your heart the circle of Mathura. So we talked a while, we'll stop there. Any question? Yeah. Um, I had a question. Uh, you mentioned... There, the Sampradaya uh, who sees uh, Krishna and the gopis getting married. And I was wondering, this obviously the way that we see it, Krishna doesn't marry the gopis, but you know they have a valid way of seeing it. So I just didn't know how that would work. Is it something like, you know, within the Vrajas we know it, they just have, you know, different spiritual tint on their eyes, so they see it this way, or no. different levels? Yeah, there's a big area, <laughs> as, we, as we just described. So it's, it's thought like it's kind of described like a lotus, hmm? different petals on the outskirts, the more, towards the center. The more towards the center, the more intimacy. Just like Golok, it's Golok. So you've got the Braj, that's the center, hmm? most intimate. And then you've got Mathura, Dwarka. It's all in Goloka. Then you've got beyond this, beyond that even, you've got these. Edge of tips of the lotus. There's a there's a the leela is performed there. Hmm. 
in a slightly different way than Radha and Krishna are. Swakya. Swakya means, means married. In the Braj, they're unmarried. So it's a different... Um, just like what I'm saying, it's just like Mathura is also in Golok and Dwaraka. Hmm? And then there are, Krishna appears in a certain way and they're corresponding devotees. Something like that. Another question. Where is Nita? Are you feeling better today? Good. Good. All right, so. We stop there. Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Gornitananda ki jai. Gori Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Oud Premanande.